You take an ancient dinosaur gut and some toxic waste. You get a monster who stomps around and tries to eat your face. You take some kaiju media, some assholes, and a mic. You get a podcast that'll make you rethink your whole life. So come watch Godzilla with Podzilla, king of the casters with NBN Brandon and Jasper, who's a dog. Welcome to Podzilla, king of the casters. I'm your host, N.B. Nightingale. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And I'm their guest, Jackson. Wow, that was exhilarating. I'm glad I got to do that. Um, <laughs> all right, so yeah, uh, I, I am Jackson Campbell. Uh, Nolan and I actually met through uh, my and my girlfriend's podcast, The Greenlight Podcast. Uh, we read unproduced plays and screenplays, and we've also been doing something a little different over there, um, so check us out on that. We also have another podcast, I Know We're the Worst, uh, Who Is That Podcast, where we talk about The Mass Singer. Uh, I live out in LA and I'm an actor from North Carolina. That's me. Let's talk about Godzilla and friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Our producer Jasper's out for the night. He, uh, ran off into the dark. <laughs> Don't worry. He's a dog. <laughs> okay, good. Hope Jasper's doing all right there. Uh, alone in the dark. <laughs> He's on uh, a leash. Again, a dog. <laughs> yeah. So... This, uh, we start off usually, Jackson, by giving a brief summary of our feelings on the movie. Uh, so, you know, just don't go into spoilers yet for the film, but, uh, just, you know, like, I liked it and here's why, or I didn't like it and here's why. As our guest, would you like to start? I would like one of y'all to start, actually. I want to, I want to see how it goes. I'll, I'll, I'll go second. I'll go, I'll, I'll go in the middle. That's fair. Okay, uh, Bren, would you like to start? Okay, alright, here we go. So, um, our film today is Ibarra Horror of the Deep from 1960. I think it's pronounced Abira. Abira. Ibarra Horror of the Deep, 19, from 1966. And, um, it was, it was so good. (laughs) I was also <laughs> so fucking shocked by it felt like a real movie. We have been, my recent film watching schedule has been 80% Godzilla and none of them feel like real movies. I love them. I wouldn't be doing a podcast about them if I didn't. But th- you're watching professional wrestling with dudes in costs. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yes. <laughs> this had do this had plot elements being introduced and paying off later and that's a really low bar but it cleared it for once (laughs) this was a movie and it was very watchable like you said i i love movies like this i love movies that you could just sit down and have a good time while watching it and this was that of course like you said it was it was two dudes in titan suits just going at it for part of it but at the same time it was like a good movie like i enjoyed watching it even beyond those things so i was i was impressed with it to be honest yeah we uh you can't see this uh but uh brandon was just raising the roof to that (laughs) good good (laughs) it's so it's perfection because um wow because we were talking about while we're watching it we just finished the movie before we came into this uh recording this episode and we looked at each other we're like is this really good or are our standards lowered in some way from previous yeah. movies? We were terrified. We were <laughs> yeah. terrified we'd be going hot and heavy into this episode, Jackson, being like, "This is ten out of ten. This is Citizen Kane of Godzilla movies," and you'd be like. I have not had to experience the absolute shit we have, so I do not get why you guys like this so much. <laughs> no, that's so funny. So, how many have y'all watched so far? Uh, this is so. This is episode nine. So, or sorry, this is episode eight. But so... we've recorded. This is the ninth one we've recorded. Gotcha, so... gotcha. Okay, and and none of them have lived. Is this is this y'all's favorite one so far? Yes, by wow. far for me, this is my favorite. Oh wow, I'm I'm glad I, the, I good episode to come on. I guess <laughs> talk about a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> yes, like this we've is... been waiting for this one, but mostly because. We were convinced just the concept of a giant lobster sounded really dumb and meme-worthy, and that's the entire reason we were hyped for this film. <laughs> but then it actually turned out to be one of the best uh, one of the uh, Godzilla films we've seen so far. 
Oh, absolutely. Now I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a hot take here, and I don't know if y'all have seen it yet, so I don't know if you can comment. I had a more enjoyable time watching this movie than I did watching Tenet. And I know that might be a, a, a hot take. Oh my <laughs> god, yes! Oh, thank I you! I hate Tenet oh, so much! <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I was afraid I was gonna say that, and y'all were gonna be like, how dare you, sir? But, no, we, Lauren and I actually just talked about that on the green light, and I, oh, this was more enjoyable. Like, hands down, by far. Yeah, I, uh this uh, this isn't a tenant podcast, so I do not want to go into it too much. But Christopher Nolan making your movies confusing is not the same as making them smart. Correct. You ruined a cool premise. In order to talk about it fully, it would need like a full podcast series on its own, just to just to talk about the intricacies of that movie. Anyways, like you said, not a not a not a Christopher Nolan tenant podcast, but I just wanted to draw that comparison. <laughs> All right, so uh, we go usually go into now uh, Brandon's big segment of the show, in which he uses his uh, knowledge from uh, animation and character design and his general interest in special effects and stuff to uh, talk about some of the uh, the monsters and the special effects. We call it "What That Monster Do." That's dope. I'm so excited. So, um. So, this film had great special effects to it, which was surprising because um, one of the reasons they filmed on an island was because they wanted to keep the budget smaller, but they, however they structured that budget, the effects did not look cheap. Yeah, it, I, that was something I liked, which we can talk more about later, was the smaller scale of this film. <laughs> We've oh, seen yeah. the Tokyo Tower get destroyed five times at this point. <laughs> Almost well, in a row. <laughs> <laughs> at a certain point, they just got to stop rebuilding it, right? Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing that I yeah. really liked, um, and that, I, that struck me pretty quickly, because we got to see Abira pretty quickly, but I, I really liked... I thought they did a great job with the design of Abira. It, it looked great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Abira is such a great designed monster in this film he's a he's like a red lobster like creature and he has this one huge claw that's like way bigger than the other like you know crabs do and lots of other crustaceans he's got like these beady red eyes that are like pretty far from the rest of his head and body and he's got like these there's this one shot where like they're trying to roll away and it's a close-up of like his mouth and it's like gnarly and jaws and spikes it's like holy crap and then um he's also got his body, I would say, reminds me a bit more like a lobster and a crab mix. Mm. Like, he's a little... Like, lobsters are really long. Or, like, you know, they're a little spread out. But he's more, like, condensed. Like, you kind of, like, squished him together a little bit. But, yeah, he's a giant red lobster monster. And he, I think he's instantly become one of our favorites. <laughs> like, I, I think his design is really unique. Especially because, you know, a lot of other monsters, I feel like, kind of tend towards that, like, dragon-lizard type thing. So so to have, like, a, a crustacean like this was, was very unique and cool. Yeah, I just really like the fact that when his uh, hands got ripped off, there was crab meat, uh, you know, just dangling <laughs> out of there. That <laughs> attention to detail is not, not something you always get. <laughs> I think uh, Brandon and I noticed a little more than uh, we should have, because to celebrate this uh, this uh, episode, we went to a crab shack uh, before <laughs> recording, before watching the movie. That's incredible, <laughs> just to get yourself in the mood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, tax write offs and all that. Hey, of course, of course. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm the, under the effects of this creature. There's a beer looks really good in this movie. And it was surprising because we just, um, the, the way they, it, they combine the effects of Abira's claw coming out of the water compared to like the miniatures and everything, like it all works well. It suspends your disbelief during the movie. There's never a time where you're like, those are like, you know, obviously they're miniatures, but your brain doesn't be like, ah, like, okay. Like we've had movies where it's done that. Oh yeah. I, I, I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, and lastly, um, this is the first film since the original Godzilla with underwater sequences. Hmm. And they're pretty cool. Because um, they filmed them in a few different ways. They filmed them with 
they filmed them in some ways with the suits. Suits on one side of a stat soundstage, an aquarium tank in the middle, and the camera on the other side to have that effect. But then other parts were actually underwater for parts. And Har- Haru Nakajima, who was the, the person who wore the Godzilla suit for a long time, he had a wetsuit under his Godzilla suit, what he wore, for those underwater scenes. Wow. That's awesome. That's super cool how they did that. So, Brandon, I've got two special effects things I wonder if you found anything on. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, uh, one of the things I noticed about the miniatures was whenever uh, you know Abira was attacking a rowboat or something, the miniature like doll people were still rowing. Do you have any idea how they achieved that effect? Yeah, unfortunately there's less info about this one compared to some of the earlier Showa films. So I don't have that specific detail, but I'm guessing they might have done some compositing like they've done with yeah. the with the little mini priestesses that Mothra has. That makes some sense. I am, yeah, I'm surprised. This is not considered one of the better ones for some reason. Yeah, this was on Mystery Science Theater 3000 as like a, ha ha ha, look at this dumb movie. Of all the Godzilla films, this is not worth it. <laughs> or like, it's it's worth it, but like, not to make fun of, but like, wow, what a good time. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's just because the novelty of the giant lobster, the giant crustacean, if you will. Because it's like, I don't know, I, I, I guess it is like when you, like y'all said, it does sound like something that would be very memeable until you watch it and you're like, wow, it's kind of a good movie. So I wonder if people just automatically put it in that memeable category just because of what it is. It does. It's just inherently a ridiculous sounding thing. Yeah. Like, when I was uh, asking you to come on, Jackson, I, I gave you the option between this and King Ghidorah's first movie. Yeah. And I was really expecting you to take, like, King Ghidorah. Well, see, I figured that would that's the obvious answer, you know, of course. And I've I have seen um I've seen all of the recent the uh MonsterVerse, the the more recent Godzilla movies. And so, you know, I've gotten Ghidorah in that. I haven't gotten uh Ibira, and now I have, and my life is better because of it. So I'm glad I chose that. Of uh, what well, one thing that uh, I, I wanna uh, touch on too that you said, uh, Brandon, about how um, this is only the second one that Godzilla has had any water sequences. I think that's so interesting because I feel like in the more recent movies that I'm sure y'all have seen, it like Godzilla, there's a lot of of scenes of him in the water, and you know that's kind of his domain almost in in the, in the newer movies. So I think it's interesting how how it's not relied on as heavily in these other ones. Yeah, like there is definitely scenes in pretty much all the movies where Godzilla's in the water. But, you know, he's not fighting something under the waves. Sure, 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 sure. Modern, you know, modern filmmaking and like, oh, great, we don't actually have to throw a guy in a 50-pound suit under the water (laughs) has definitely made it more viable. Oh, totally, totally. (laughs) The entire lack of respect for the actor's life and safety (laughs) was used to make these films. Exactly. Uh, so my second thing I want to ask you about is uh, the giant fucking condor that comes out of nowhere <laughs> oh, and yeah. leaves just as quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, that one is uh, that one was really hard to track down about. There's some people who think that they just reused a Rodan suit, put some feathers on there. It looks very similar. It does. <laughs> it's it's officially called the Ukandoru. Uh, based oh, on ooh. what I looked at online. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, I found it. That is the case. If you look closely at the giant condor, it's almost certainly a Rodan costume that had was redressed for this movie. <laughs> Which makes sense, because it's like the same structure. Like, I don't think they make a new suit I, for it. That scene... It made no sense. I don't get why it was in there, but it was so awesome <laughs> seeing him blow it up. It was great. And it's it just like, I was like, who it, are we going to get any backstory? Nope, it's just coming in and out. All right, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here comes Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, here's Mothra, Queen of the Monsters. Ebora, the Horror of the Deep. And this giant condor thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I was going to say maybe it makes more sense under the context that 
Godzilla was originally supposed to be King Kong in this movie, but licensing uh, licensing problems happened. But no, it, it wouldn't make more sense for a condor to be attacking King Kong. I yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's like a real, uh, just a giant real animal, which is kind of what King Kong is. That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> I was about to make a callback joke, but it's for an episode that is, that's going to release after this one. Oh, so yeah. uh, you'd have to be using your tenant brain to get it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes, because we have recorded the Ghidorah intro episode, and I will say, Jackson, you definitely chose the better one. <laughs> Thank God. Spoilers for two weeks from now. Exactly. Yeah, my, my intuition uh, reigns supreme on that one. <laughs> Are any other effect stuff, uh, okay, Brandon? Um, I'm going to check to make sure all my notes here. Okay, um, Horror of the Deep, first film. Yeah, so I'll just say overall, um, last, the last thing I'll note is just the special effects are very good in this movie. Like, my goodness, it is a great time. Like, it's got some wonderful monster fights and some great special effects. Like, it's all you could want on the effects front for a Godzilla movie. Yeah, so, uh, do you want to say anything about the effects, Jackson, before we go to a brief commercial break? Uh, I think I'll sort of just echo what Brandon said. I, I, I definitely agree that, like... I, I was impressed by the effects on this. I was, of course, expecting very little, um, but it 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 uh, definitely exceeded my expectations. I think, like I said, I loved Ibira. Um, I I will say, and I'll probably talk more about this when we talk more of the movie. The the like mini people that that uh, Mothra had, I I was convinced that. It, that was just like a perspective thing like i thought they were just closer to like mothra and so they appeared smaller but no they weren't and so i I thought they did a good job with that but i just thought it was interesting how i was tricked because like i thought uh, they were normal sized people i was gonna ask you how you were gonna react to the peanuts which is what they're called in the movie are you serious <laughs> the I actors am. were called the peanuts they're recast in this movie um i guess they're called the priestesses overall is the title wow we call them the twins on this show the twins i like the twins yeah the twins they threw me off a little bit but then i was like oh that's like they did a good job i think with it but they definitely threw me off at first (laughs) yeah Yeah. we were like when i saw that they were in this movie brandon and i have now seen like five movies with them in it at this point including the one where they're introduced and explained sure so i looked over at him and was like jackson is not gonna have an idea what the fuck is going on right now (laughs) and you know i kind of didn't but i rolled with it and it turned out okay (laughs) (laughs) all right so we're gonna go to a brief break and then come back to talk about the uh movie as a whole after When was the last time you tasted really good seafood? Come on into Red Lobster. We've got plenty. Super shrimp. Tender fillets. Beautiful lobster. Over 30 different delicious choices prepared just the way you like. And priced to keep you coming back for more. For lunch, for dinner, for seafood, you know where to go. Red Lobster is where America goes for seafood. Yeah, that was a uh, great commercial that I know exactly what was put in, Brandon. Mm, yes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the uh, the story as a whole on uh, on Abira Horror of the Deep. So it was uh, directed by Jun uh, Fukuda, uh, who we've seen. Uh, he's directed a couple of these uh, that we've watched so far, mm. but. This was his best by far, given that he also did Son of Godzilla, which, uh, Jackson, you don't know this, but uh, Brandon has a special place in wherever he stores his hate, (laughs) specifically for Son of Godzilla and Manila the Baby Godzilla (laughs) in particular. Ah. Those mantises were right. They had to get him out of there early. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like how a lot of people have a special hate in their heart for Scrappy Doo. I feel like that's kind of a similar thing here. <laughs> I will defend Scrappy Doo any day of the week. 
Well, there are a lot of people who would disagree with you. <laughs> Not saying I'm one of them. I'm medium on Scrappy. One of the best aspects of the live-action Scooby-Doo movie, and I'll never get to do an episode on this, so I'm going to talk about it right now, <laughs> is the fact that it is the Count of Monte Cristo from the perspective of the people being revenged upon. <laughs> and I will defend that right now. I, I'll tell you what. Those movies kind of hold up. They really do. I've watched them recently. They kind of hold up. <laughs> they do. It's, but seriously, it's Count of Monte Cristo is about a uh, you know a rich guy who was left for dead by people he thought were his friends, who uh, invites them under a assumed identity to his island of debauchery, in order to try and enact murder upon them. <laughs> And that is the plot of the Scooby-Doo movie. Look it up, people. Look it up. <laughs> so, actually talking about the story here. Uh, so, Brandon and I were talking while we watched the movie, and what we really liked was this one started with really low stakes and, <laughs> like, not trying to make a lot of intrigue. Yeah. Which, it's... It's a problem that these films uh, have generally where they instantly go in with, like, secret military operation, like, right off the bat. You don't know these people. You don't care. Uh, this one starts with a dance competition. <laughs> to win a yacht. A dance marathon. A dance marathon. <laughs> you are correct. So. And then some, you know, they all are partying and... Two yacht bros go to check out a yacht that's not theirs, and a bank robber is on it yes, <laughs> and pulls a yes. gun on them. Yes. <laughs> Can we talk about for a second how those people at the dance marathon were dancing for three days and they were still going hard? I'm like, their endurance is on another level. That's Olympic athlete level, these people at this dance marathon to win that yacht. <laughs> but yes. But then just thinking about the fact that the two who we start with dropping off go from three days of dancing to being held hostage at sea <laughs> to being caught up in a weird Mad Max-style colonialist, like, fascist empire? <laughs> what, what, what a week for those guys, man. What a week. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so good. Uh, so one of the things that we haven't really talked about watching these movies before, uh, but... Brandon, I kind of realized we hadn't on this one, was how many actors they reuse from movie to movie in different roles. Oh, that's like, interesting. Yeah, this will mean uh, nothing to you as someone who hasn't seen the other ones, Jackson. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but for example, the, uh, the, like, the, the boat captain with the eye patch. Yes. It, who's the, uh, de facto antagonist, I'd say. Outside of Abira, yeah, uh, he he is the protagonist of the first Godzilla. Is he really? And he also is, yeah. and he is also wearing an eye patch. In that one too, does he wear an eye patch in real life? Uh, no, because no. uh, we hadn't noticed him in like five of the other Godzilla movies because he didn't have the eye patch on. That's but so when we saw him in a role with an eye patch, I had to look into it because I realized they were reusing the same guy. That's... Clark Kent and his glasses, if you would. <laughs> yeah. This guy and his eye patch, it's it's the same. <laughs> I just really Okay, I was about to phrase it as I just really love those fascists, but I realize that doesn't <laughs> sound quite right. That might not be the best to have recorded somewhere. <laughs> they were such a cartoony thing that the human plots are always so boring mm. in these movies, but they were just they were in another universe. Oh, and yeah. I enjoyed seeing that, like, crazy Saturday morning cartoon world. <laughs> yeah. It was really good seeing that um, with the characters. Oftentimes in these movies, we'd have about four different sets of characters that are doing their own separate thing that don't intersect. What's awesome about this movie that makes it so much better is... You are following, like, what is it, four, four like dudes? Like, five name characters. And that's it. And they're there for the rest of the movie. And it doesn't cut to, like, the reporting office. And they're going, rah, 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 gotta get po photos of Ibarra. 
or something. Like, they focus on the island, and it focuses on the active things that are happening. And, like, it's so much better for it. I think I just realized that whenever I'm throwing out approximate numbers in this episode, I just keep saying the number five, as if that's an accurate one. (laughs) It's just... I've just realized, like, seven times in this episode, I've just, like, said, uh, we've seen it five times, five characters. Yeah. It's... it's, I guess it's just a round number. (laughs) Nice even there, yeah. Well, because there were were the four guys... And then there was, uh, was her name Dio, I believe, uh, who, who came yeah. and joined them? Yeah, so they're kind of an even five there, even though they get kind of split up at one point. Then the guy's uh, brother, and then crazy eye patch guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so what happens after they get to the island? Oh. Uh, well, once they get to the island, uh, we find out that the uh, inhabitants of it's got a, not, a name, but we call it Mothra Island. That's appropriate. Have oh, yeah. been uh, stolen and brought to this island mm. by the uh, crazy uh, fake fascist group. And, Red Bamboo. Yeah. And they, uh, they're they being forced to uh, produce the, uh, the, uh, the juice that keeps a beer away that the, uh, the Red Bamboo only need. Because they keep going to this island where Abira is. Yeah, okay, what was that juice? It was very yellow, that's what I know. <laughs> what was it? So, I... <laughs> it was the only place in the world where you can mine Mountain Dew straight out of the earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, at first I thought it must be, like, a, a secret formula... But then they were just using bananas to yeah. keep a beer away at one point. So I thought, is it just the color yellow? But then uh, then the bad guys get killed because the real yellow juice gets swapped out with fake yellow juice. So I guess it was the formula? Yeah, it yeah. was something real. I w- yeah, that was, that, that was interesting. It was interesting. It was very yellow, and I liked it. <laughs> I, I think we for, forgot to mention that... Um... Once the people are on the yacht, and they're adrift at sea, and they're like, oh, dang, how are we going to get to this one? Ibarra, like, immediately attacks them within yeah, the first ten good. minutes. And oh, it yeah. was so sick. It was a great introduction. Yeah, you see him really quick in this movie, which I which I kind of appreciated. I feel like a lot of movies, it's like, and, you know, some of them are good for it, you know, sort of sort of holds the monster till towards the end. But, you know, we got we got him quick. We got him very quick. I want to talk a bit about the initial plan uh, that the our four protagonists use to uh, break into the uh, facility, because it's uh, I think it's intentionally funny. And it's <laughs> one of the best sequences I've seen with the fake bush. Oh, that was outstanding! <laughs> and they're just creeping towards it, and when they make too much noise. She holds up a diversion pigeon and throws it into the air. <laughs> and honestly, I was thinking about it. That's kind of brilliant. I know, obviously, if they looked and saw, like, the bush was in different places, they'd probably wonder. But just the fact they look, it's like, oh, what's that noise? Oh, it's a pigeon. Makes sense. Let's move on with our days and take down the spotlights. <laughs> but I thought it was, I thought that was really clever, actually, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I. It was clever. Just the idea of a diversion pigeon is so funny to me. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> and not to be all pretentious theater major on this, but I kept thinking about uh, I kept thinking about Macbeth with the moving trees. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think was an intentional thing. That's just my tweed jacket personality coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So, uh, Jackson, did you have any uh, cool stuff with the story that you want to discuss that we haven't talked about? Uh, One thing, because I think they, at this point, they've all taken sort of uh, clothes from the yacht they were on. And one thing I want to say is they were like a purple away from being the Wiggles. (laughs) Just with their color scheme. (laughs) 
It was like me and my friends were talking about it because I watched it with some of my housemates. It was like they they had the scheme going on. And like, obviously, that wasn't intentional because the Wiggles didn't exist. But did the Wiggles take inspiration from this movie? I think we have to discuss it. I think we at least have to think about it in our minds. (laughs) (laughs) The Wiggles need to answer these hard hitting questions. (laughs) At the Wiggles, (laughs) your silence on this is deafening. (laughs) Oh, yes. I mean, it was all fun and games until like the lobster wiggle came out. Yeah, and then like after that, words it was it was too obvious to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Am I misremembering stuff, or did the Wiggles have like a pirate friend with like a a sword that was a feather? Wow. Was that I, a thing, or am I like fever dream childhood right now? I know I brought up the Wiggles, but. I don't remember a lot about the Wiggles. That uh, here's what I'll say. That sounds like something the Wiggles would do. It seems like they would have a friend like that. So, whether you made it up or whether it's real, it's okay. <laughs> if I if it's real, awesome. If not, Wiggles, call me. I will sell the concept <laughs> of a of like. Uh, a pirate with a feather to you <laughs> for who cheap. Knew, who knew the Wiggles were going to get this much play on this episode? <laughs> who would have guessed that? Have we talked about Godzilla at all yet? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But, but ha- have we gotten to the point of the movie? Because he kind of shows up a little late. I will say, Abira shows up early. Godzilla shows up late. Yes. So I'll, I'll talk about um, Godzilla's appearance for a bit. So... When they, I think it's after, I think they see him before they even do their plan to break into the base. Yeah. Is they walk into the cavern and they see a sleeping Godzilla and he's mm-hmm. sleeping on the rocks. And I think you can tell his eyelids are a little open, but, um, but anyways, <laughs> that's, that suit stuff. So they are like, okay, this is a, this is something that may come into play later. A, a Chekhov's Godzilla, if you would. <laughs> and what happens is when they come, if I remember right, when they fail their plan, to go into the base and, you know, the guy gets caught in the balloon and flies away and someone else is captured. They go back to the cavern and they're like, screw it, time to wake up the big old lizard. Mm-hmm. And that is their plan. I love it so much <laughs> to just electrocute Godzilla awake. <laughs> And, you know, the, the, the lightning, I will say, there, there was one effects thing that I noticed. It might have been, with, like, the first the first storm that they saw when they were at sea. But they did use the same lightning shot, like, three times in a row. And I think that, that just goes to show you, in world, the lightning is very consistent. So they can trust it, that it's gonna strike something, and it's gonna wake up Godzilla. <laughs> Reused so. footage is a big thing in these movies. We've seen uh, we've seen films where entire characters were added <laughs> out of pre-existing footage from previous ones. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> in fact, like the only other Abira appearance in the main Godzilla films is entirely archive stuff uh, they use uh, in. I think it's. I think it's the seventy-five one. Yeah, it's a 75 one. Wow. That's amazing. Again. You gotta love that. You use what you got. That's called resourceful filmmaking, in my opinion. So they wake, so they give Godzilla good old electroshock to wake him up, which is a, it's such a good introduction. Like when he, like his eyes just, boom, and you're like, uh-oh. That was great. I loved that sequence. And it's, because as this is happening, I love that these two things are happening. They're like getting ready to wake up Godzilla and things are happening. And like, if I remember, it's, um... I think it's at that point where the two guys in the boat get destroyed by Abira, right? Oh yeah, a little before that. It's a little so before. It's right when, right when we're introduced to the red bamboo, uh, two of the uh, two of the natives that they've uh, captured uh, make a break for it and try and row off the island, and Abira just cra- crushes their uh, boat. And then spears through them. Just just skewers. Just absolutely skewers the two of them. <laughs> like, snaps that boat in half. And then we're like, oh my goodness. But then we thought they were dead. But we see them swimming. And we're like, okay. And then you, it cuts to a wide shot. And he just sticks his claw in the water. 
and pulls out a few like human shish kebabs and then takes a bite. Yeah, yeah that mm-hmm. was I think the most graphic thing we've seen happen to humans in these movies. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, jets explode and, you know, vehicles explode and stuff, but we don't see the people inside. Yeah. In that one, it's like, oh my goodness, we see their, like, bloody corpses across this thing's claw. <laughs> like, it's brutal. It's great. Like, yeah, it immediately... Uh, uh, yeah. The last times episode, we saw a guy got shot in the head, but obviously Godzilla did not do that. Yeah, yeah. That we know of. <laughs> he can't use guns, we know that. <laughs> so um yeah so um anyways what a so yeah so that's an earlier scene but that establishes a like ibira is not just like a benevolent monster he will eat you Mm -hmm. like he will snack on you like you're some tasty crab legs so anyways what happens is it's such a good thing that's happening at the same time where they're waking godzilla up and they're like waking him up to go attack ibira and then like Abira is in the water, and you see him... I don't remember what he was doing in the water at that point. Like, weren't there some other uh, people trying to escape? No, my, no, I, I think he just is always hovering around. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Like, and then, guard in the island. Yeah. You see Abara, and then... Just chilling. Oh, yeah, and then Godzilla just breaks out of the cavern, and they just start fighting, and it's... Oh, it's great. And that first fight was electric that like whole tennis match they had with the rock was <laughs> outstanding that i loved that sequence so much godzilla so i these films have not been in order of when they were released as we watch them but just coincidentally like the last couple of times we've seen godzilla he is really favored just throwing big fucking rocks at stuff. <laughs> That's his thing. I love how, because I feel like there's there's an argument in, like, the community, if you will, of like, oh, you know, King Kong has an advantage because he can use weapons. I, I tell them to take a hard look at this movie and see how Godzilla throws that rock around. I don't know. He could use a weapon or two, I think. <laughs> uh, anyone first- have... Other cool story aspects they want to talk about before we go into our favorite game. Okay, okay, all right. Well, well, yeah, I do. Well, I think we're gonna summarize like overall the rest of what happens. Where? Uh, yeah, they fight. Uh, Mothra flies everyone away. Oh yeah, and they Godzilla have does fight. a sick jump off a cliff to avoid <laughs> yeah. getting blown up by an atomic yeah. bomb. Wait, 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 you're skipping the coolest part of the Godzilla-Ibira fight where Godzilla straight up tears off Ibira's claws yep. and taunts him with it. Oh, <laughs> he's clacking it like he's getting ready to, like, take a bite out of it. It's like, yeah. clap, 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 clap. As Ibira is, like, scared and, like, swinging back into the water and it's so amazing <laughs> oh yeah that was godzilla takes no prisoners man he is brutal at this one yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. i will say um just overall as a story thing for the whole movie oftentimes when we're watching these movies it's very much like okay like the humans are whatever i want to see the monsters fight we were talking during this movie where we're like we don't mind the humans are here for this. Like, they're yeah. doing interesting, cool stuff. No, totally. I, I feel like the humans added instead of just being, like, things that were in the movie. Like, just being there, they they definitely added to the story on this one. Yeah, sure. we, uh, I really liked, personally, the, uh, the, uh, lead human's, uh, performance. Uh, the thief, uh, Yoshimura. Yeah. Played by Akira Takarada. I... It was a really fun performance. It was just constantly looking annoyed at the ineptitude of everyone else around him. (laughs) He was outstanding. I really liked him, too. He's so good. And he has a character arc in this movie. Imagine a a kaiju movie with a character arc. What? He's just like, I super love Thieven at the beginning of the movie. And then in the very last scene of the movie, it's like, you know, I don't think I like thieving anymore. <laughs> yeah. And the f- so here's the thing. Um, I don't know if we've recorded this on an episode of the podcast, but we have talked about this. I was talking, we were talking, Nolan and I, and I said, and we're saying, all right, I think during one, at least one of these movies, there's going to be a performance we really like from one of the human characters. And I think we found it. We had not yet, but and who knew? Who yeah. knew it was going to be in this one? Well, the first one we liked, I guess, was uh, 
Hank Azaria in 1998's Godzilla. <laughs> I did not know he was, was in a cam- Godzilla movie. He was a cameraman with a mission. That monster <laughs> was trying to eat him, and he still had to do his, like, he still was committed to getting the footage. He's got a job to do. He's just doing, like, Moe's voice the whole time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> But like everyone's treating him like he's a he's a sex symbol. You know, as Hank Azaria is. <laughs> One thing right, that so I if, uh, uh, unless we have more story stuff, we can go into uh, make it gritty. This is a, a a small thing, but I loved and I I just thought once again this movie kind of knows what it is I think because I think every time like Godzilla fought there was like this like beach music playing in the background like it felt like they were throwing on the Beach Boys there while Godzilla and Abira were were going at it I thought that was I thought that was just a great touch and I really enjoyed it yeah the the first time they did it we were kind of half convinced it was rock lobster before figuring <laughs> out oh that my that gosh. was impossible <laughs> yeah <laughs> if only man if only <laughs> it's the surf it's that sort of like beach boy surf rock sort of like guitar to it i guess yes I exactly yeah yeah uh also one more thing the line about atomic bombs hopefully they're used wisely or not at all I just thought I, I I liked that line. So we love that for a different reason. Cause, okay. So they do like a weird moralizing line at the end of almost every Godzilla film. <laughs> do they really? It's like the humans are escaping and then a moral they were not building towards <laughs> at all just starts getting a spouse. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> we like that they, they took the shit out of themselves here a bit because immediately uh yoshimura turns to the guy and it's like what are you a college professor <laughs> yeah <laughs> that self-aware aspect man they, they they did a good job i appreciated it now one thing i want to ask y'all is how is godzilla typically viewed in these movies is he typically viewed as like a, a positive figure or does it sort of depend on the specific story so it's it was a slow transition over time during the first uh, era of Godzilla films where he first he's squarely an antagonist for the first four at least and then he starts becoming uh, like in this film more of a wild card yeah that, sure. you know Godzilla is a force that can help them uh, but you know, at, like he almost kills them at the end because they're with Mothra, so it's just like he's helping them while their interests align. But you know, then by the end of these films, uh, we get into what's called the uh, Godzilla loves the children uh, era, <laughs> in which he's just like unambiguously loved like Reptar from the Rugrats. <laughs> oh, amazing! Everybody loves Reptar. Everybody loves Godzilla. So, uh, we're gonna move on to Make It Gritty, my favorite game in, uh, the podcast, in which we, uh, we take, uh, kaiju that have not yet been in the, uh, the recent legendary Godzilla films in, from America, and, uh, we pitch how they would be incorporated. I love it. If you have a pitch ready, Jackson, uh, you can enjoy. If not, uh, why don't you tell uh, Brandon and I which one of us uh, is getting greenlit? Ooh, okay, sounds good. I I would love to hear y'all's y'all's opinions. I I I I don't have something super strong. So if y'all have stuff, I'd love to hear them. Okay, okay, I can start. I can start. So um, so we're we're pitching how we would introduce Ibarra. To the Monsterverse. Probably using his actual name, Ibira. Ibira, yes. <laughs> I have Strike one. Like Strike one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ibar- so Ibira is... So this is how we'll introduce them. So I pitch a teaser trailer for the standalone Ibira film. I'm imagining that with the Monsterverse expanding, we need to do more solo films of diff- of somewhat different genres and styles to better encapsulate modern audiences. Imagine like it's kind of like the Iron Man versus Thor versus Doctor Strange. We got to have some variety with it. I like it. Okay, so I will begin. So an old 
So, you know, we start out in black. And slowly, it, we fade in, and we start hearing the song Old Cape Cod. It's an old song about Cape Cod, of course, about getting some lobster stew, doing some fishing. And it, it slowly comes in, and we see an old grizzled fisherman wake up and start his day. He gets on his little... He gets on his, you know, gets on his uh, fishing gear, goes on to his little rinky boat. The beach is very quiet and serene. There's nothing there, basically. Nice and quiet. He gets on the boat, and he goes out into the sea. And he is a lobster fisherman. And he's checking his traps out far into the water. And he has, he's got this little boat, small little boat. And there's this quaint shore. And it's in Cape Cod, so the song fits. And he's catching, you know, he pulls out his traps. There's some small fry lobsters in there. A few little ones, a few, most of them not worth having. So he throws most of those back. And then he comes across just one good-sized lobster with a fish still squirming in its claw. So he chuckles to himself, grabs that lobster, puts it in the bucket, and we sort of cut to him in the evening going to shore. And he has a decent catch. As, he's, as his boat is returning to the shore at dusk, he sees there's now a massive crowd at the beach. There are film crews. There are people trying to interview other fishermen. There's helicopters of lights blaring down on the beach to an object that he can't quite make out yet. And he lands the boat and he gets closer. And he sees that on the shore, there is a massive detached claw holding a full intact sperm whale. And that's where it ends. And that, the title, Abira, Horror of the Deep. Okay. Oh, right. that's, that's you're, pretty you're good. That's right. pretty good. All right, Nolan, what do you have? Okay. So, I also think we need a bit of a change of genre, which is why I think the, uh, the social satire is the direction that this film needs to go. In which... Uh, our protagonist of the Godzilla films, uh, Milford Roberta Brown herself, uh, is, she's now a college-age student, and she's, uh, in the, she's in the, uh, you know, in class one day when the little TV screen in the corner goes on, and we're seeing news reports, Portland, Maine has been leveled by... A giant lobster and then her uh, her college professor cuz obviously pseudo intellectuals are kind of what we associate with the with the lobster at this point in time between David Foster Wallace and uh, and Jordan Peterson himself begins espousing the cult of the lobster and all of a sudden, we have a culture war going on in which people who believe the lobster are right are, are just talking about how awesome he is and making actions to let the lobster keep doing havoc. While meanwhile, Godzilla is rising, getting ready to fight, and it's going to be an epic fight when it happens. Whole movie of plot happens. I don't know. I don't do screenwriting. So, ah, uh, act two, uh, all that cool stuff. But then they're fighting. Godzilla throws Abira down into the ocean. Atomic breaths him until the entire ocean is boiling. And we get a fresh lobster dinner. <laughs> to, to feed all the land. Oh man, I, fellas, fellas, you kind of outdid yourselves. I, I very much appreciate both of these. I do, I love, I love the lobster dinner at the end of Nolan's. I think that's great. The boiling the ocean, I think it's very clever. However, I think if I have to choose one, Brandon, you, you really got me with, with that teaser trailer. I am very intrigued. So if I have to choose one. Brandon ekes it out. However, I want to see both of these movies. So, fellas, get both of them made for me. I'd love to see them. It can be the it can be the same movie. Mine's just the teaser trailer for exactly. it. Exactly. Just just combine <laughs> the two honest, of them together. I had a very similar pitch to Brandon, and I had to change on the fly. I was originally gonna pitch the perfect storm, but with the Bira attacking them. 
great improv to switch your story then, because I would have never guessed. <laughs> All right, so uh, Jackson, uh, do you want to tell people where they can uh, listen to the Greenlight Podcast or uh, where they can uh, or promote any of your projects? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find the green light on pretty much anywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play Podcasts, all of them pretty much. Uh, same with Who Is That, The Best Singer podcast. Um, I don't really have a ton of stuff going on right now. Um, I am doing something on my Instagram called Self Tape May, where I'm releasing 16 self tapes throughout the month of May, just to keep myself sharp. I don't know if I mentioned I'm an actor, but I am. Um, so that's, uh, at J underscore Woodward underscore C for my Instagram and then at TGL underscore pod for the green light and at who is that pod for, uh, uh, the, who is that podcast? But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on guys. I had a lot of fun. Just, just riffing about some monsters. Oh, it's been oh, a yeah. pleasure. Uh, been Brandon, having, yeah. could you tell where people can find us? Yeah. So, uh, we're most active on our Twitter at, with the little at symbol podzilla C and, we're we active on Twitter. We post our links to our new episodes and some memes and stuff. We also so you can find our podcast on Spotify, RSS.com called Podzilla King of the Casters, RSS, RSS.com, Spotify, Apple. Uh, uh, no, not Apple yet. We are not, not a- quite as esteemed <laughs> as Jackson Campbell yet. <laughs> oh God! But and we Google do have Pod- Google Podcasts. <laughs> Google Podcasts for now. So maybe that'll be different by the time this episode goes up. But, uh, yeah, so this is going up, I think, in the summer, so perfect, perfect kind of se- section for yeah. it, so. Awesome. So that's where you can find us. And send us questions, and tell us what we want us to watch next at our email at kingofthecasters at gmail.com. Yeah, thank you again for uh, coming on our show, Jackson. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again, guys. Oh, it's been a pleasure. So, friend, take us out. Woo! So, um, next week, uh, or next time on Pazilla King of the Casters, we're going to review the first uh, appearance of King Ghidorah in King Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. I hope you're hyped because we did kind of spoil that we didn't like the movie in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you next time. See ya.